0: not a matter of if but when crisis will rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney and host of The Crisis Files. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also bring in people on the inside of everyday crises to help you prevent yours. Today, that voice is Andy Brown, the CEO of Sandhill East, an advisory services firm to emerging companies. In his past life, Andy was chief technology officer for top banking and investment companies in the U.S. He's here to discuss the case file I call Cyber Black. The headlines are frightening. Among them, Google and Amazon disclosed fighting off what is believed to have been the world's largest distributed denial of service or DDoS attack. According to Google, the attack began in August 2023 and threatened to take down sites by sending out hundreds of millions of requests per second. Security experts believe artificial intelligence will only increase attacks, and phishing remains one of the most common methods to breach corporate security. Your weakest link could be your employees. Andy, cyber risk is even more nuanced now from when we first started hearing about it, talking about it. How would you define it current day?
1: I define it as the risk or probability of loss, damage or other adverse effects on individuals, organizations or entities resulting from their interaction with digital technologies in cyberspace. There are a variety of different kinds of that, and we can get into those as we chat.
0: Got it. Okay. So when it comes to technology, things are moving at fast paces. What are some of the common openings for some of these breaches or bad acts?
1: Really, it's where you have a risk surface area, which could be best defined as all the humans in your organization, all of the technology in your organization that faces the internet, and then also your entry process for getting people into your organization, which can inadvertently create insider threats.
0: All right, I want to talk about the insider threats because I've heard you speak on this topic, and what really caught my attention is that you've said we can't always trust employees. And my guess is employees don't want to feel that way, that they're being untrusted, but it's just a reality of doing business, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think what's happened here, honestly, and this has been the case really for a long, long time, if you think about fraud inside organizations these things have had to be detected for a long, long time. I think right now it's not a matter of not trusting your employees, it's more a matter of making them safe. So how can we make sure that they are safe in their working environment, they're able to do their work They're not impacted by denial of service attacks and so on. And if there are bad actors inside a company, just like the OFAC list in financial services are are parties you wouldn't do business with, the same is true inside your company. You need to always verify everybody. And that's a very important tactic to take, not just for people, but for applications, talking to other applications and so on as well.
0: All right, so I think one thing that people hear about are ransomware attacks, just for purpose of definition. What does that mean, and how far advanced have those gotten?
1: Ransomware attacks today are widespread. Many organizations have unfortunately been victim to ransomware attacks, and what that involves is essentially tying up your data or your systems so that you can't use them to run your business and encrypting those so that the only way you can get your business back is by paying the ransom to the ransomware actor uh, who will then hopefully unlock your systems and give them back to you but they may have also exfiltrated the data and may publish it all online anyway so the challenge you have is there are no guarantees when paying a ransomware actor they are actually going to be able to recover your business so it can be very very debilitating
0: How should companies react to these kinds of actors?
1: Well, I think what you have to do is plan for the worst and hope for the best. It's the same as your personal life probably as well. There are many steps you can take, including cyber insurance, including buying ransomware protection, including making sure that you have the ability to go back to an individual point in time where the ransomware was not on your network and restore as quickly as possible. So there are many mitigation steps that you can take. There are also approaches you can take when you're in a crisis that will make the crisis longer or shorter. One of the most important things, in my opinion, is to do tabletop exercises inside the business and involve the board in those tabletop exercises where that's appropriate, so that everybody understands what the path of communication is, what the chain of control is, and how you're going to manage in a crisis. It's something that every company needs to be prepared for. The issue around ransomware and, let's say, exfiltration of data is about the value of the data, not the size of the company. And that's the thing you have to really focus on.
0: All right. Now, you've served on various corporate boards. You're currently serving on Zscaler. And you've talked about these tabletop exercises. Is that something that you're mainly doing with the board and the CEO? Or are those the kinds of things that within the organization, employees and their leaders should be doing?
1: it's actually much more important to do it inside the organization, to be honest. So I, I view this mainly as a ciso led activity where the CISO, the chief information security officer is actually running a simulation of an attack. You, know, you want as much as possible to go wrong during that attack so that you flesh out all of the things that you don't necessarily have good plans for. So I'll give you an example. I was on a a board of a company, which I'm no longer on, and we did a, a tabletop exercise. And 10 minutes into the tabletop exercise, Zoom stopped working. And so the question was, who had whose numbers? How do you get people back together if Zoom isn't working? Why is Zoom part of your crisis plan if denial of service attacks can take out Zoom? And so on and so forth. So just thinking these things through carefully is very, very important. And for me personally, I mean, having lived through 9-11 and had to get people back together and use AOL Instant Messaging for communication for the week in between 9-11 and when we first came back online, I've learned many of those lessons the hard way. And, And so, you know, it's important for boards to have people with experience dealing in very, very difficult situations, because the more experience they have, the more lessons learned and experience they can give you that will hopefully stop you having to go through those same lessons yourself.
0: You've really been on all sides of this uh, when the company is in crisis and how you communicate inward, how you communicate outward. Let's get back to those employees for a moment, because a lot of the Crisis Files listeners are working in organizations. They might be the one that is leaking something, maybe accidentally, inadvertently. So what is some of the messaging that you would want leaders, businesses to say to their employees, And then what is the responsibility of each employee to make sure they are not the missing link? They are not the gap to a bad actor.
1: So I think the first thing to say is that it's not the employee's responsibility to know all of the things that you just asked the question about. It's actually the company's responsibility to make sure that people are educated around those threats. So it turns out that education and actually running tests with employees, so pretending to fish employees, bringing in red teams to test out your infrastructure to see how a red team would penetrate your business, all of these tests essentially are like training in the military. They are. Conditioning you about how you deal with an incident which looks like a very appealing email to click on or a very interesting IM or someone called you and they're being really nice to you on the phone and you're like, "Ah, you know, maybe this is a good person. So just the psychology, I think, of defense, you know, the art of war, these are all things that you need to understand when you're planning an organizational structure that allows you to have your organization be the first point of defense for you. And that involves you really have to train people well, you do have to role play with people as well, and you have to run tests that are blind so you can see how they react.
0: Andy, let's do a little future casting. What are some of the things you want the Crisis Files listeners to be looking for in the future? Like where (laughs) is all this bad acting going to go from the outside and these threats? What should we maybe think about to try to prevent?
1: We live in a time of unprecedented change. And in particular, the change which is on everybody's lips right now is AI, artificial intelligence. You know, AI brings much good to the world and to individuals and to organizations. uh, But it also brings the same capability to bad actors as well. So bad actors being able to use AI to figure out a way to penetrate you without even necessarily writing another line of code, just looking at human behavior and response and being able to adapt based on that is given. And the only way that we're going to be able to defend against that in the long term is through both technologies like zero trust but also the incorporation of AI on the defense side, as well as the offense side. So to me right now, if you look at the situation that the world is in, many CEOs are worried about the competitiveness of their business if they don't adopt AI. So there's quite a lot of pressure, I think, on business leaders to push AI inside their organizations. But obviously AI itself relies on underlying data and that data itself is entitled. So people are allowed to see some data, not allowed to see other kinds of data. So AI can open up an organization's knowledge so that knowledge workers can all participate in doing things more effectively, but it can also easily make data available to people that shouldn't be available to them, both inside and outside the company. I think AI right now is one of the least understood attack vectors from a bad actor perspective, but it's also not well understood inside the enterprise what security measures you need to have in place in order to have a safe adaptation of AI.
0: We do also like to look for the positive here on the Crisis Files. Where might there be some hope in this whole cyber threat landscape?
1: The reason I've worked with Zscaler for the last 10 years is that I believe personally that zero trust is the only way uh, that you can Uh, Run an organization and make sure that you don't get caught up with the things that I would call blocking and tackling, things that you should just be able to do. You should be able to access an application and know that you are safe while you're doing that. You should be able to access your bank account as an individual the, the same way putting the infrastructure in place that means you don't have to worry about the blocking and tackling gives you a lot more time to start to focus on well how do we use some of these new technologies for competitive advantage how do we make people's life better how do we stop people doing repetitive work that could be done by ai and instead have them look at the output of that repetitive work being done by an ai and validating that so i think there are many many positives that are going to come from this generation of technology and i think the trick is to implement them safely
0: You give us that definition, zero trust, but what does that actually mean?
1: Zero trust means you always have to verify everything. So when I say I'm Andy Brown, how do I prove that I'm Andy Brown? If I go into a liquor store and I want to buy a bottle of wine, the way that I prove that I'm of age is by giving a driver's license or some government-issued credential that I can use. The same is true in both verifying the person at the other end of a phone call Right now, there are people actively using voice impersonation to try and get employees to do things because it sounds like it's the CEO calling them. And it doesn't just sound like it. They've actually sampled the CEO's voice and the CEO's voice is telling them, please, can you go do this? And so again, you have to be aware. Did you verify? What's the name of your son? That's a great question to ask. What's the name of your daughter? Uh, Where were you last week on Wednesday? I mean, just think about things that you know about the person who's talking to you and use what you know To validate. So, this idea of verification and validation of everything, whether it's access to an application, whether it's buying liquor in a liquor store, is a very, very good human analogy that I think anyone would understand.
0: All right, Andy, I'm going to wind down with asking you to complete, briefly complete a couple sentences. So, to every CEO in the world right now, the first thing you should do is
1: sleep well because you know that your organization is well protected uh, using zero trust.
0: To every employee, the first thing you need to do when you open up your computer at work is...
1: Make sure that all of the security infrastructure that's running on your computer is actually working. Make sure that you're educated and that you know what your responsibilities are with regard to protecting your company and follow the rules.
0: To all of us, what is the key thing to know about AI?
1: The key thing to know about AI, I would say, is that AI is like a chainsaw. It's easy to cut down trees with a chainsaw. It's also easy to cut your arm off. Don't be fooled by something that looks credible. Make sure that you spent the time to do the research before you send something to somebody. There's nothing worse than receiving the AI output of something that anybody could have typed in and seeing how there's two errors in that that are so obvious that anyone should have got those. Don't be that person instead be the person that's done the work. AI can still save 85% of the time of doing almost anything, but make sure that if it's your work, uh, that your quality assessment of your own work uh, is done to make sure that you're not making a mistake.
0: Great advice from Andy Brown of Sandhill East. You can check out his book, Cybersecurity, Seven Steps for Boards of Directors. We will put the downloadable link wherever you found this conversation in that description. We will have that downloadable link. So click there and get more of Andy's great advice. Thanks so much, Andy, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Goth Public. Number one, every organization is susceptible to cyber attack. The value of your data makes you a target, not the size of your organization. Number two, educate your employees, both on how to avoid allowing hackers an entry, as well as how the company is working to prevent attacks. Number three, adopt a zero trust plan. Verify everyone so employees are safe as they do their work. reputation issues can arise quickly and unexpectedly. Prepare and plan before a crisis strikes with Goff Public, an award-winning public relations and public affairs agency. Your best defense is a crisis-ready culture that helps you spot potential issues, act swiftly, and reflects your brand's values while building trust with your audiences. Learn more at GoffPublic.com. Thank you to podcast producer Kim Inslee and audio engineer Tom Hamilton. Please rate and review The Crisis Files on your platform of choice. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on YouTube and Instagram on The Crisis Files. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for any particular situation, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to get help for your specific need. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.